joining us. And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torrezani. Well, this is a special treat for me today because I reached out to you. I found your book. I am obsessed with your book. I found it when I was pregnant and I started reading it and I was like, can this baby come already? Can I start reading this out <laughs> loud? Um, little Miss Hot Mess, welcome to Emotional Support. I am so happy that you are here. This is literally such a treat for me because I, I just... Anyways, there's there's so much that I'm going to get into, but I just want to thank you so much for joining us on my little podcast here. This is so fun. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Where are you coming from? I'm actually coming from sunny Tucson, Arizona. Ooh, I love that. I actually love Arizona. I shot a movie there one time <laughs> and it was really great. It was in Phoenix and it was just really hot. I didn't realize how hot it really got there, even in the wintertime. <laughs> it is really hot, although it's sort of cooling down now. We're getting what I would call a Tucson fall, which is pretty nice. Oh, uh, but yeah, the desert vibes are great. It's, I love it. It's, it's good energy, you know, but the best thing that I remember yeah. is we were shooting right when it was like about, we shot a little bit, I think in the summer and then came back and did a little bit in the winter. And it was the funniest thing for me because it was like a hundred degrees and it was still super hot, which is rare. I don't think it's always that hot in the winter. Yeah. But these yeah. ladies were feeling themselves and they were like, we bought the Uggs. We bought the fur coat. <laughs> we don't give a shit. We are wearing this right now. And they were walking yes. around in full fur ensembles downtown Phoenix. Oh and I was like, it oh is hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the difference between Phoenix and Tucson. Too. Uh, yeah. Tucson's a little bit more of like a hippie vibe. So I haven't seen too many fur coats out here. But <laughs> it was a moment. I was, I was okay yeah. with it. I was like, you know what? Yeah. You go, girl. You bought that. That you earn that you earn that check, you make it. Um, but yes. I am just I'm so happy to have you here. I want to get right into this book because I think that it's so fantastic. Th this is the the one that I have. I know that you have two books, and I'm sure that there's so much more to come. But the hips on the drag yes. queen go swish, swish, swish. It's the only book I there is no wheels in the bus in our house. There's none of that. <laughs> it is just the drag queens. How did you even start this journey of being a children's author, because I think it's one thing to have, you know, a biography. It's one thing to share, you know, nonfiction, fiction, all this stuff. But children's is so specific and so beautiful. Um, how how did this all begin? Well, so it, for me, it really started with Drag Story Hour, which started in 2015 in San Francisco. Um, and I started doing it in 2016 in New York. Um, and, you know, it's a program that sounds like Exactly, what, exactly it is. what it is. Drag queens, drag kings, drag creatures of all kinds, reading books to kids in libraries and schools and bookstores and all these Did great spaces. Did that start and in San Francisco or was it in New York? So it started in San Francisco um, by Michelle T and Virgie Tovar and uh, Julian Delgado Lopera. And they okay. were running this organization called Radar Productions. And yeah, we're looking for ways to bring Wow. queer family programming to the masses and uh, had this idea that like drag queens and kids would obviously get along, you know, like who could you imagine being better friends than small kids and drag queens? Um, and then it quickly took off and kind of took the country by storm and we brought it to New York and Los Angeles. And wow. now we have chapters all around the country and all around the world in places like 
Arizona and North Carolina and Texas and um, Tokyo and Berlin in Mexico City, all wow. these wonderful places. Oh, that's yeah. so fab. Well, I'll tell you, it makes total sense to me because drag queens are the most fabulous like people in the entire world. Pure magic. I'm telling you, when I was two weeks, uh, I a lady was two weeks old and we, I had a very hard recovery after I gave birth. And the only mm -hmm. thing that I wanted was just like light, really fun television. So I put on Trixie yes. Motel, right. Um, which yes. is Trixie Motel. And it was the first time that she actually like focused and clocked something, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> she was like, like do, 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 do with everything. And then Trixie came on and it was like, the world stopped for lady and she just was mm -hmm. like, who is this? My life is changing. You know, like yes. truly, I mean, and the, the eyes, like the, they got so big. I thought they were popping out of her head. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> but it's so true. Like, I love that there's drag queen story hour. I was not even familiar with drag queen story hour. I had not heard of this before. Now, do they read just to little kids or is it, can I go like, <laughs> Do I have to bring my child? Like, what is, what's the backstory of Drag Queen Story Hour? Yeah, I mean, I would say that for most events, anyone is welcome, kids of truly all ages. Yeah. Uh, we do <laughs> kind you. of focus more on like Children. ages maybe three to eight, you know, right. but but truly above or below. I've had like truly babies that are fresh out of the womb that oh. parents are trying to get me to hold and uh, sing and read to. And yeah, I mean, we read books of all kinds. Um, we do like to focus on things that deal with LGBT identity yeah. or with, you know, making friends, being your most fabulous self, you know, challenging bullies, that sort of thing. Um, but we also read a lot of the, the story hour favorites, like, oh, you know, Chicka Chicka Boom Boom and Everyone oh, Poops so and that kind of stuff. Every, well. Everyone Poops, so, you know, just the normal ones. Like <laughs> Just the normal ones, you know, just push a few boundaries here. And, and there, how but, did yeah. you get into, you know, how did you become Lil Miss Hot Mess? Like it was, was drag culture something that you had always been a fan of? You know, what was it for you that, that really drew you to that? Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways I always wanted to be a drag queen, even before I had the language for it. Right. Like I was definitely always that kid who liked to perform, who liked to dress up, who liked to, you know, be a little bit dramatic here and there. Sure, as and we all do, yeah. As we all do, you know, and I was that kid who would put on my mom's high heels and her, you know, robes and throw a towel over my head and call it a wig and direct my uh, neighbors and shows in the backyard and things like that. <sighs> so... Um, you yeah, were a boss. I, and, but it, I was a boss, <laughs> I was a director, I was a diva, all the things. Um, but it wasn't until I actually moved to San Francisco, uh, fresh out of college that I started doing drag. Um, wow. yeah, it just called to me and, uh, it was really a, a kind of renaissance of drag in San Francisco in the mid two thousands as well. So. What was it like for you the first time that you went and drag and, and perform? And I don't even know if you performed the first time or what it was, but what was that like for you? Did you... I mean, I can only imagine it would be just so incredible. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it opened up a whole new world for me. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that I started going out in drag and kind of testing the waters a bit before I actually sure. performed. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I will say that I earned the name Little Miss Hot Mess. Yeah, how did this have the I name specifically come from? chose, but, uh, you know, I had a few too many Long Island iced teas <laughs> a few too many times. We've all and been there. So. 
Exactly, exactly. And so the the name just kind of emerged and then it stuck. But I always like to say that I'm here to remind everyone what a hot mess the world can be, not so much what a hot mess I am these oh, days. Um, I a little bit less these days, yeah. You know? You're 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 like you're like solid. It's like everyone around you, like <laughs> that's the mess right. that's like like going right. on. No, my my best friend, he was um his name is Xander and he performed um, and competed in best in drag in Los Angeles. And his name yeah. um, was Beverly adjacent and <laughs> his performance was all pretty woman. Um, and it was amazing. It was like an ode to pretty woman and yeah. Julia Roberts. And it was like so fabulous. And, and he oh always, God, you know, will do drag for Halloween and stuff like that. And it's just like, I, I, you know, I guess I've never even told him this, but I can see just such a difference in like attitude and confidence and just like mm -hmm. feeling so comfortable and and you know he wouldn't identify himself as being a drag queen full time and like wanting to perform but for him when he goes right. in drag and he gets it's just it's amazing i just see such empowerment and i think that the world needs to see how empowering drag really is like it's it, it's yes. it's unbelievable I don't know if you know, but I hosted, I didn't host, sorry. I'm like, I host this show. I was a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, and I'm trying to think what season that was, but it was with Raja and Delta Work and all the all the gals. Yes. And I just remember I went there and, and Lily Tomlin was the other guest judge mm -hmm. who was Amazing. an icon in and of herself oh and I was just like Truly. <laughs> it was like nine in the morning when I met her and I was like hey hey like freaking out um but I just remember <laughs> she was just so in awe of all of the girls of just every little yeah. detail and then when Rue came out and and I met Rue I just was so blown away because beyond like the beauty and the dress and all of that, right? It's just this this aura of like a superstar character. It was like meeting like mm -hmm. Minnie Mouse for the first time. You know what I mean? Like as a <laughs> totally. kid where you're just like, I can't even believe this. And I've seen such a shift and I'm thinking that must have been at least 10 years ago, eight or 10 years ago, mm -hmm. a while ago when I did it. And I had introduced my cousins who are now 14 and... I've slowly introduced the younger ones that have gone to RuPaul's Drag Race. And drag culture to these children is like the best thing that's ever happened to them. Like all yeah. they want to do is see Xander and drag. They just want to watch RuPaul's Drag Race. They, they want to just, and it's so amazing because I'm like, I never had that as a kid. Like that's something yeah, that I would have craved to be around. And that's what I was going to yes. ask you, like as a child, like what were some of the outlets that you found? Like now these kids have, you know, drag shows and, 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 and fabulous books. Like they have this culture <laughs> that they're a part of what for you, like culturally, or what did you kind of feel you connected with? Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, I I was an 80s kid and I feel like I connected a lot with like the typical stuff like Disney and, you know, right. the Little Mermaid and the Lion King and all that stuff. I was also a huge He-Man and She-Ra fan. Yes. And like looking back on that, there was so much kind of like queer innuendo yeah. and just like queer, proto-queer content there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I always even though I was watching a lot of the mainstream stuff, like I identified with the women or I identified with the villain or I identified with some aspect of it that wasn't necessarily like the mainstream right. love story or the mainstream hero story. Um, 
And yeah, and and I I guess too, you know, I always really loved fantasy and mm. things that had magic in them. Yeah. And I do think that like you were saying, drag is a form of magic, right? It is, it's this totally. like enchanting, transformative, like totally fantastical thing, but something that we also can do with like whatever we have around. Like we don't mm. actually need to be, you know, X-Men or or no. wizards or whatever. We can no. actually just kind of transform the world around us ourselves. No, uh, absolutely. Were you ever a fan? So for me, my my favorite um, movie was uh, Serial Mom. Uh, um, oh, yeah. John Waters. And I was obsessed with yes. Divine and I was obsessed with Pink Flamingo. I watched it way too young, like <laughs> in single digits, way too young. Yes. Um, but it was amazing. And I was just like, like for me, Divine was everything. Like I, were you Mm -hmm. familiar with her? Like when you were younger or were you not introduced to that? I I think my mom introduced me to things like, like very young (laughs) and very like like wild, wild horror films. Like I was obsessed with horror. Like I was a very strange child. Oh, I wish. No, sadly, I don't think I knew who Divine was until high school or maybe even like early college. You know, I, I had Ursula who of course was, modeled after divine but i didn't have divine herself i think the closest i had to knowing what drag queens were really was like through shakespeare Mm. and through like yeah i don't know like the occasional kind of like cross-dressing performance on tv but a lot of it wasn't really drag you know it was like Mm -mm. rudy giuliani on saturday night live which like a very different thing than (laughs) than a drag queen let's be real (laughs) it's a very different thing It's a very different thing. No, and I think that that's what's so special now, you know, is is looking at this younger generation and seeing all the different, you know, content and, you know, books and TV shows and and just idols that they can look up to. It must be so cool. So when you're doing, you know, your drag, you know, Drag Queen Story Hour, do you have kids that come in drag that that are, you know... What is that like? You know, what Ugh. what stories can you share with us about kids? Because I think that this needs to be, I, I think the reason why I'm so drawn to your book as well is because you're normalizing drag queens. You're normalizing queer culture. Mm-hmm. I think that there is mm-hmm. such, you know, there it's just such a topic that's just, that needs to be stopped. And I want to obviously like get into all that, but it, it's something that needs to just be like, What's the big deal? Like, why are we making right. this a crime? Why are we making right. this a big deal? Like, it's fanta- it's fabulous. Like, it's the best it thing is. that's ever happened, you know? So what yes. are some, can you share some stories or something that, you know, when the kids do come and drag or parents, you know, of, of what, you know, they're saying? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just so special when kids show up in drag or in whatever kind of dress up they come in, because you can always see they're, you know, they have that transformation. You can tell that they're extra proud. They feel extra fancy. They are showing off something that they've probably like thought about and worked on and crafted and, and made really special. And uh, you know, a lot of times it is this kind of weird mishmash of like an old Halloween costume and like a Disney princess costume and a, you know, like all these different things that sort of get thrown together. Um, But it, to me, it it, like, oftentimes it does make me sort of see myself in them and feel Mm. like I'm getting to kind of relive my own childhood through this program, you know? I didn't have a chance to like do drag per se, but I did love to dress up. And so getting to sort of see these things come together is, is really wonderful. And 
Uh, one of my favorite moments of story hour was actually, it was after a story hour um, and it was this group of girls who were in the library, but hadn't actually come for story hour. Like mm. I think they either showed up late or like just happened to be there. Um, and, but they immediately just flocked to me. And like, in my mind, it was like, we were having a slumber party at the time. Oh, like we, it was like, we were like braiding each other's hair and like stuff like that because they just, they were so sweet. They were so innocent. They were so curious. And like, yeah. they just had a million questions about, you know, who I was and why was I in the library and like sure. why that day and how did I get the glitter to stick to my face? And was that my real hair? And like, it, you know, and like, yeah, they were literally just sort of like touching my hair and asking all these questions. The and curiosity. It just felt so intimate, yes, and curious and and just special. And um, and there was something like extra special about the fact that they they weren't even there for story hour mm. and yet they still got to encounter me um in this space and get to ask all these questions. And yeah, it's you know, it kind of felt, I guess, in some ways, like preaching beyond the choir. In that right. No, well. totally. Oh my gosh, totally. You've had some backlash and uh, as yes. pretty much the entire queer community has, right? And right. from, from, um, I don't, I, I like to say like, I'm, this is not a political podcast, but this is also a <laughs> real life podcast. So like things yep. do have to, you know, come up. And yep. I think yep. that I, for me, I feel very strongly about this because um, this specific topic of uh, when it comes to children, because now I have a child and I mm -hmm. would like to raise my child the way that I was lucky enough to be raised, where I yes. accepted everyone, no matter what they looked like, felt like, tasted, no matter what it was, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> every color of the rainbow. And I was, I think that I was very lucky. I grew up um, like a dan in dance competitions. And so for mm -hmm. me, there was no, sexuality was, was so fluid. Like everyone was everything, you right. know what I mean? And I'm talking right, baby, right. you know what I mean? Like I said, yeah. my first movies were pink flamingo and serial mom, you know, <laughs> and, and it was a, you know, very interesting. Um, my, fa and my favorite, um, person in the entire world was Dennis Rodman and Howard Stern. And I was obsessed yes. with Dennis Rodman because That's I, so yeah, I, he was my everything and more. And my mom was from Chicago and my grandparents still lived there at the time. And I was obsessed with basketball and the Chicago Bulls. And I didn't like Barbies. So anytime someone would give me a Barbie, I would cut her hair. I would buzz it. I would take magic <laughs> marker and I would magic marker Barbie's hair, whatever Dennis Rodman's was that game. Yes. Right? And then oh I God. had the Dennis Rodman doll in the wedding dress, right? And like when he came yes. in drag and I just was so fascinated by this human. I just thought like, you know what? This is the coolest thing in the entire world. Here's this like uber masculine man, right? Who's right. showing up in a fucking wedding dress to a book signing. Right. Like, I mean, like, right. are you kidding me? And, and yeah. normalizing, like it was not a big deal. So anyway, so, and Howard Stern, you know, I was obsessed with as a kid too. My mom used to always listen to it. So I'm very <laughs> moved by these things because- I was raised in a way where everything was so normal. I was never taught that, oh, you shouldn't do this, or you, sh you know, oh, don't do that, right. or oh my God, you know, you know, oh, gay, oh, bye, you know. It was like whatever. It's mm. not a big deal. So <laughs> there are a lot of people out there, including Marco Rubio, which I read, Ooh, had a yes. huge issue and came out with a whole campaign against 
drag queen story hour or, you know, and now, you know, Mm -hmm. books are being banned and, you know, there, there's just so much going on. What, what is it? Do you think that people are so against drag culture? I, I just don't understand because you look and we talk about Shakespeare, for instance, right? Like, Hello, mm-hmm. we're teaching Shakespeare in school. How do you think that they performed as women? <laughs> right, <laughs> Who do you right. think Juliet was? You know, <laughs> like right, what, right, what, exactly. What is it? Do you think that that you know? How can we wake people up to be like we're not trying to you know change and turn your children? Like what 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 right. is it? I think it's a couple things. I mean, I think. Mostly it's actually a distraction. I mean, I think Mm. that they're trying to sort of wag the dog and say, you know, draw attention to this issue that they think will be this huge wedge issue um, and they think will scare people. When in reality, it's a way of kind of covering up for the fact that like these right wing politicians aren't doing anything. They're not making anyone safer. They're not making anyone richer except for themselves. Like they're not actually doing anything to support the people who elect them or who live in this country. Um, And then on the other hand, I think that it's also like it's it's rooted in the same old homophobia and transphobia and white supremacy that we've been dealing with forever. And, you know, they kind of want, they're always looking for something to sort of make into this culture war. Um, and in some ways, drag queens reading to children, I guess to them seems like an easy target. But I think it's also kind of more broadly like a war on imagination. It's that mm. they don't want kids to grow up to be creative. They don't want them to think for themselves. They don't want them to develop the tools to imagine a better world. I mean, that's what drag is. It's literally transforming yourself so that you can transform the world around you and make it a more fun and educational and fabulous place. And that to them is threatening because they want people to be afraid. They want people to, you know, stay in line and to do what they're told and to not ask questions and, you know, certainly not challenge their authority Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I, I just think that that's sad. I mean, it's like we need more kids who are who are taking apart their Barbie dolls and making them, you know, into <laughs> their own drag characters or, you know, who are writing weird plays in their backyard or who are doing all these sorts of creative yeah. things because that's what that's what gets us like to the next point, right? And that's what kind of like gets us over the finishing line when it when it comes to different forms of social justice but they're so absolutely so 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 afraid of that yeah they're so afraid and you know it's interesting that you say it's about the imagination because there are so many you know like boys that I knew growing up, right? And growing up that mm-hmm. that they would dress and put on a fairy princess outfit. That didn't make them gay. That didn't make them, right. you know, trans. There was, there, there was, this was not a thing. It was about using their imagination and having fun. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like, oh my God, oh my God, don't let them do that. Don't let them do that. So that that's <laughs> right. the joke. I remember there was some viral video that was going around and it was, it was, they were saying like, it was like a voiceover of, of some politician being like drag, you know, drag queens are, you know, tra- you know, making your children gay. They're turning this. And then it showed like this amazing drag queen who was performing and all the kids that were coming at a party and they were all dancing and just having a good time. And I was like, where right. is the problem here? Like, show right, me the problem, right. like show me the issue. But you're right. It's about imagination. And I think that that is what's so key is that we need to keep imagination 
depression going in people, in, in children, because we're losing mm-hmm. it. You know, we're losing yes. it. And we're losing kids also, you know, to just looking at their screens 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what is that about? Like, I'm like, guys, come on. Let's pull out. Like, let's read books. Right. You know? And, and right. listen, I'm a firm believer in TV. I am like someone that watches it. <laughs> my, my, you know, daughter falls asleep every night to Dahmer. Probably not a great start to her childhood <laughs> right now. Um, but, you know, we're going to we're gonna go with it. It's a, it's a great show. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think that it's so key that people are still writing books. Now, is there... Now, yes. I know that you have the hips on the drag queen go swish, 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 which I absolutely love. Also, the illustrations in this are unbelievable. Like, aren't they? Yes. How did you find your illustrator? So I was so lucky. I did my research and kind of reached out to friends to see who their favorite kids book illustrators were. And someone recommended Olga de Dios to me. And she was primarily publishing in Spain. She, you know, she lives in Spain. She's a Spanish illustrator um, and author in her own right. And not many of her books have been translated into English. And so I was kind of lucky, I feel like, to get her before she makes it big over here. I was like, let us get her over here. Let us do it. And what I loved about her work was that so much of it is like monsters and creatures and like these fantastical characters. And I was like, that's someone who can do drag. You know what I mean? If you can make like a sort of like cute, lovable monster, then I feel like you can get that kind of like quirkiness, that playfulness, that edginess of drag. And she's just, yeah, hit it out of the park. Um, I'm originally from San Francisco, like with the Bay Area. So I'm from Los Altos area. Mm-hmm. But I um, okay. I I remember just being a kid and driving through Castro Street and just being like, oh my mm-hmm. God, this is so pretty. Like, it's so magical. <laughs> like, oh, it's glitter. And so like when you go through this and I'm like reading this book, I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to show Lady like all of this. Like, it's so amazing. Yes. And now you have yes. another book. It's called If You're a Drag Queen and You Know It. And so it's a play on If You're Happy Clap You Know hands. It. Like, yes. I'm like, 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 that makes any sense. Like, that was a really, like, slow reaction to that. What has that been, what has that been like? Have you, did you go around since COVID is, not COVID is done, but since things are a little bit more open, were you able to go around and do Drag Queen Story Hour and kind of promote that book? Yes, I finally got to tour again. So I got <gasps> to go to San Francisco and LA and Portland oh. and Seattle and New York and Philly and Boston and Provincetown. Oh my and, gosh, you went uh, everywhere. Yeah. I went everywhere that I had a place to stay, you know, and a friend's couch to crash on. Um, And yeah, it was so nice because my first book did come out during the pandemic. It came out like right as the pandemic was getting started. And so I hadn't done an in-person story hour for over two years. Oh my god! It was fun getting to do some of the virtual ones and knowing that kids could come from all over. Yeah. You know, it, it. I missed. I so 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 missed like being in that space with the kids who are dressed up and who are. There's smiling something and right about singing being and per- dancing along. Yeah, there's something about being in person and feeling just yes. that energy and being able to go yes. with that. How now? Have you ever come to LA to do a reading? I have. I used to live in LA. Oh, so I missed I've, it. I've done a bunch no. of readings there. I know, but a lot of it was during the pandemic, so I wasn't doing too many readings then. But yeah, I got to do a couple at Skylight Books and oh. uh, the Natural History Museum and the wow. Children's Museum in Santa Monica. Yeah. Wow. And are you yeah. planning on doing more books? I am hoping to do more books. Uh, I haven't quite confirmed the next one just yet, but yes, there should be more books coming out for me. In the next How can years. we make this a TV show as well? Because that's all I kept thinking Ugh, when I was That like, is the biggest question. You know, we've tried pitching TV shows and I don't know why it hasn't fully caught on yet, but 
yeah, if anyone out there is listening and wants to talk, I'm I'm more than willing. Oh my gosh, really? To make this into a TV show. They're yeah. not. I, I would think if I was a TV executive, I would like jump at this as a cartoon. Right? Like I would jump. Right? Just the names of the characters, like Cinderella, like that was. <laughs> Uh, like, like all of these, like, I just like, why would you not like, look at this. I'm like doing this yeah. as if it's not your book. And like, you don't know what you're looking at, but I'm like doing this for the audience. Cause I'm like, hello, like, look at this right now. No, I mean, I can't even tell you, I would absolutely jump on this. Now, are you performing drag on, you know, on your own in Tucson? What is, what is your own personal life look like on a day to day? Yeah, well, so actually my day job is that I'm a professor at the University of Arizona. So I get to literally teach the children, the slightly older children in this case. Um, Yeah, and so doing drag is sort of part of my work, but it's just one part of my work. Um, And my background is in media studies and public humanities. And so thinking about, yeah, how do we make the world a better place through research and and community action and those sorts oh of things. Oh my gosh. So, and do your students know about Little Miss Hot Mess? I I give them a taste. I don't want them to get like too oh deep God, in it right away. No you know? Like they're with an icon. <laughs> oh my know. God. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I don't name drop like the Katy Perry Saturday Night Live appearance, you know, right off the bat. But I, I, I do let them know that, that I am here. I know. I know. I probably should. I definitely be, get some points. How did they, I forgot to ask, how did the Katy Perry SNL thing happen? Oh my God, that was amazing. That was literally, I was uh, finishing up, I think my first year of grad school and like literally like furiously writing a paper and got this message from a friend of mine whose agent was like, we're looking for drag queens. And he was a dancer on Broadway. And so I was like, okay, well, if I finish this paper in time, then I'll go to the audition. And so I went and like, literally like smeared on like 10 minutes of makeup, like didn't shave, didn't have it all done. And they really loved it. They like liked the messiness. They yeah. liked the kind of androgyny of it. And so, um, so yeah, that I got, I got to be on the show and that was one of the coolest experiences. Oh my, my gosh. Life, were you a dancer it. when you were younger and like older as well? A little bit. I was also a figure skater. So, you know, I, I have, I have that kind of like. Wait, we are not like getting in. Are you kidding me? <laughs> my husband's mom, I won't say her age, but I will say older. Okay. It's uh-huh. still ice skating every single yes. day. Yes. She, oh my God. she, and she competes like she does. She's, <gasps> she's an ice dancer. Um, and she still oh. does the, the comp, she still competes like, and her yes. teacher oh is like that. this world renowned, like Olympian and just, mm-hmm. it's so incredible. Now that is a very, very hard sport. That is a hard sport. Yeah. And I mean, I, I was a kid, I, I quit, I think around age 11 or 12, I think because it felt too gay at the time, which is so sad to really? think about that being the reason. I think I just, you know, again, I might not have fully had the language, but I think it felt so feminine and uncool at the time that I, I eventually moved on from it. But yeah, I wish that I had still continued oh to do gosh. it. And actually, my you asked before about my very first time performing as Little Miss Hot Mess. And so that was actually on ice skates, not on ice, but like I had the guards on and I did no. this whole kind of like Nancy Kerrigan style routine. Um, yeah. For this pageant. Yeah. Oh my God. It was for a pageant. 
Was it? It was for a pageant called Star Search at um, Tranny Shack. I don't know if you remember them from the, your San Francisco days. No, I left when uh, I was nine and moved to LA. But oh, I really oh, would. Okay, okay. I would love if I was at. I was nine years old going to Star Search <laughs> there. That would be yes, amazing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would be totally, like, totally. wow, the coolest kid in the entire world. But right, now you're right. giving me ideas of where I can take my daughter. Um, yes. I thought like drag brunch at Hamburger Mary's was wild, but I think I'm gonna have to take her there. Um, um, no, that's so amazing. And did you win the competition? I did not. I I like to think I came in second, even though there wasn't an official runner up, <laughs> but I felt like I, I got the attention of a runner up uh, queen. So, you felt in yeah. your heart. You felt in your heart. I really quickly want to get back to you being a professor because I just have a like so much. I want to get into this because I guess I, I read that, but I didn't get into like, I didn't think about yeah. that. But is it so cool? I mean, what a what an awesome thing to be able to I'm going to say teach children, you know, in drag mm -hmm. when you're when you're reading to them and then be able to teach children who are not children anymore, but are really like <laughs> right. they're on the verge of being able to really, truly transform our world. What what mm -hmm. is that like? Is it is like empowering? Is there like frustration behind that? Like. Do you see, you know, the age like where you're like, oh, my God, you're on the verge of being able to like really change so much <laughs> and be able to do so much? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's pretty inspiring. And and one of the things that I like about my specific position is that we are encouraging students to figure out how to have an impact on the world. Like our mm. whole ethos is not just about learning for learning's sake, but is really about kind of like personal enrichment for the sake of public engagement or public mm. enrichment. And so, um, yeah, it's nice to see them have all these ideas about ways that they can go out and change the world. And, and in some ways, like, I really don't think it's actually all that different to be, you know, reading stories to little kids and then teaching, right. you know, teenagers and young adults. Um, and one of the things that I've done as part of my scholarship as a professor is actually published on Drag Queen Story Hour and thought about, you know, what is the pedagogical value of a program like this? And so, you know, I've, I've published this article with a collaborator, Dr. Harper Keenan, and we think about things like, you know, how drag queens use humor in order to deal with difficult or stigmatized subjects. And we think about how, you know, drag really creates the set of relationships, these chosen families and, you know, what kids can learn from that and how you can kind of build the trusting classroom space from that. So there's a lot of ways that I, I do really consciously think about, you know, what it is we're doing with these kids and then how I can apply that to these older kids that I'm right. working with as well. No, I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, talking about like dress up and imagination and stuff like that, I was very much like you where I had a neighbor, um, bless his heart. Don't know where he is now. He's in Germany. He moved back home, but his name was mm. Thomas Fliedner and he was a like, like, prodigy at the piano and I took full advantage mm. of that and I was like mm -hmm. we are performing <laughs> for my dad's friends and my mom's friends and like yes. whenever they would come over I'd, I'd put on performances and I was a like I said I was a dance competition girl so my main mm -hmm. dance was to Hello Dolly and I had this big oh, like, yes. like this big boa hat on and I had red my mom would hand dye my jazz shoes and then she would rhinestone them like we were queen oh. of rhinestones and oh. I, it was like fabulous Fabulous. Yes. So I performed Hello Dolly at like seven years old on the piano like this, like really, I, I mean, <laughs> a sight to be seen that no one really needs to see. Um, but oh I God. remember like 
when I would perform, right, and I would put on the costume and I had, you know, the the big fake eyelashes on and all of that, it was not only using my imagination and being able to fulfill like this like performance art that I was doing, but truly it was when I was the happiest with my mental health. And I, Mm -hmm. I found out way later in life that I lived with bipolar disorder, but I had mm-hmm. coping mechanisms that I, I didn't know were coping mechanisms, which involved right. my performance and performing. Mm-hmm. And I think that children using their imagination, dressing up, that is a form of mentally healing themselves and emotionally healing mm-hmm. and being able mm-hmm. to be, it's not even like, oh, here I am. I, I'm going to be a drag queen. No, no, no. It's about using that imagination and healing. Like there, there's a sense of yes. healing behind um, doing all of that. Did you help with your own like emotional and mental health when you started doing drag when you were older? Like was there a sense of kind of, I don't know, like maybe maybe I'm just projecting that on, on you because like I felt that <laughs> even though I wasn't in drag. Like for me, that was my version of drag, you know, and I felt, I, I still feel that way. I think that's why I love acting so much because I can kind mm-hmm. of heal that, that, that mental instability in my life. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, drag, I always think of it as like a set of armor. Like it's really yeah. about kind of like Empowerment. building up this, yeah, this empowering, protective, like uh, armor that allows me to step out into the world with much more confidence, with much more kind of assertiveness um, being able to really speak my mind in a way that, you know, I'm, I'm confident I'm out there. I can, you know, give a lecture to a hundred kids or do the, all these sorts of things in my everyday life. But like when I put on the drag, that's when the sass comes out. That's when the humor comes out. That's when like the, the fun really starts. And so, um, yeah, it, it is exciting and, and fun to get to experience that transformation and, you know, some some performers like really think about their drag persona as like a real character, right? Mm-hmm. Like they really kind of like develop a backstory and then a biography and all this sorts of stuff. But for me, I always see drag as like just allowing different aspects of my personality that maybe don't have like the spotlight in everyday sure. life to really come out and shine. And um, and that's something that I also think that kids can learn is like, how do you find those elements of yourself that maybe sometimes you wish could be a little bit louder or you wish could be a little bit brighter and how yeah. do you share them with the world? Oh my gosh. And I, sometimes it takes a lot of glitter to do that. And, you know, a pair of high heels a lot and some, of glitter. a giant wig. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yes. And sometimes it needs a like a good, like a good fake boob. Like for me, like yes. that's the prosthetic <laughs> that I need in my life. Yes. All day long. I mean, breastfeeding has helped a lot with that with that goal, but I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. I'd like to feel mm-hmm. that that sexuality. Yes. But that's why yes. it's like uh, Halloween is so fun, and you see people really just like truly be themselves and like have like yes. a great time when they dress mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this is just like so fantastic. I just I I know that you are helping so many children and obviously adults, and I just I hope that the the world even though it's such a scary, it's a scary place right now. I hope that through Mm -hmm. light and through love, 
people stop with the judgment and stop with, you know, this is how everything has to be. It has to be square and boring. Like I hope people just toss a little glitter and realize that it's not, you know, we're not changing who you are. We're enhancing Mm -hmm. who you are and allowing you to be comfortable in your body and be the best version of you and, and allow children to really shine and be bright as my baby's like screaming and like making noise. Sorry. I'm like, Oh, sorry. Um, But allow you to be like, who you genuinely are, are born, who you're born to be, you know? Is there mm-hmm. anyone that you, you know, as like an icon or someone that you look look up to um, that you are hoping to meet and maybe, you know, share these, these this wonderful Little Miss Hot Mess with? Ooh, I mean, I do love all of the divas. I'm also Jewish, so I love a, a good Jewess diva. Yeah. You know, I would love to meet... <laughs> Bet Midler one day. Oh. I would love to meet Sandra Bernhardt one day. Oh, Sandy Land. She's my Barbara. favorite. Oh my God. Yes, Sandra yes. Or or uh Fran Drescher, of course. <gasps> I mean, these these are all the the personas and the icons that I style my own drag off of in many ways. So yeah, it would truly be an honor to get to meet. To oh meet my gosh. Them. Wouldn't oh my god, Sandra Bernhardt is my favorite. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Oh my God. Fran Drescher. You should do Fran Drescher one time. Like, like, well, I'm sure yeah. like that is, oh, yeah. you are oh, yeah. inspired the by wing. the nanny. Okay, yeah, yeah. You're inspired yes. by the nanny. I am very inspired by the nanny. I am. I am. <laughs> I love that. Well, I am going to ask you, um, my question that I ask everyone on this show, um, Lil Miss Hot Mess, what is your emotional support? My emotional support, I think drag is a form of my emotional support. I mean, I think that getting into it, having that ritual of of transformation, of taking, you know, an hour and a half out of your day to like really yeah. just beautify and transform yourself is something that like, no matter how stressed I am, no matter how rushed I am, no matter like whatever headspace I was in before, it's that like transitional moment that like, gets me ready to go face the world in a new way. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully spread a little bit of joy as well. Spread joy, spread glitter, spread love, like spread it all. And do you have any aspirations, do you think, to be on RuPaul's Drag Race ever? You know, I thought a lot about it and I kind of like forging my own path and, you know, publishing my own books yeah. and, and doing my own thing. So, you know, I'll never say no, but it's yeah. not on the immediate agenda. Just, I just, just didn't yet. know if that was like, I, I feel like, cause I've seen so many, you know, queens be able to use that as, as a platform to jump off on. Not that you need the platform because obviously look at all that you've accomplished so far, but like mm-hmm. a lot of people do use that. So I didn't know if that was something maybe in the future. Yeah, never we'll say see. never. Never say never. Never say never. I don't know if I'm ready for my single to be on iTunes and all the stuff that all these queens are doing now, you know. <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit more of a simple girl who's just out here writing my books. I'm a simple on. gal just living it up in <laughs> Tucson. I have to say I have know. a lot of friends that have moved to Arizona and not Phoenix, like Tucson and then I'm trying to think what's the other like really cool like Joshua Tree type place in Arizona. Um, Sedona, Sedona or flag Sedona. Yeah. Sedona. A lot of people, is there just such good, like, yeah, so witchy. That's what they keep saying that I would love it. There's all these vortexes there. Yeah. They say I would love it because I'm all about a vortex. Are you like into that woo woo kind of stuff? Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
I mean, with a wink and a nod, but yeah. So yeah, I've got my tarot cards. I've got my crystals. I've got my intuitive counselor on speed dial, you know. Do you have a good psychic? I'm looking (laughs) for a good psychic right now. (laughs) I do have a couple recommendations. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to ask you after the show about your psychics because I feel like you're you're on my my speed of understanding understanding the the gifts that are above our control. Um, Well, anyways, I just can't thank you enough. This was just so special. And um, how can everyone find you? You can find me at Lil Miss Hot Mess, L-I-L Miss Hot Mess on, I was going to say on all the platforms, but I'm not on TikTok because I'm too old for TikTok That's okay. these days. But, I, I, um, it's yeah, not so worth find, it. <laughs> it's not worth it, exactly. So find me um, and also follow Drag Story Hour. We just changed our name from Drag Queen Story Hour to Drag Story Hour. So cool. On all the social media there as well. Oh my gosh. And then you can get the book wherever books are sold, I'm assuming. Wherever books got are mine. sold. I got, yes. I believe Order I got mine online. on Amazon, I believe. And it was just like, yes. anyways, I just, I hope to meet you in person sooner than later. Same. Um, because Same. I just, I, and, and, and in drag too as well, because I need my daughter to see how like gorgeous and fabulous yes. you are both in and out of drag. Just so incredible. Oh. And anyways, I'm able to thank you. Thank you.